0: All right, what do you do with a story like that? They lie, they died. I expect maybe to see this in the Old Testament part of the Bible. I mean, there's lots of gruesome stuff there, right? But in the New Testament, in this era of grace and forgiveness, two believers in Jesus get jealous, hold back the truth so that they can look good to others, and boom, they're gone. The Apostle Luke then writes in the book of Acts, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Kind of like some, not all, some of my Catholic grade school teachers, some of my Protestant Sunday school teachers, as well as a couple of priests and pastors I had growing up, some of them worked real hard literally to scare the hell out of us kids as a, a way to motivate us to live clean, honest, holy lives that would make us worthy of heaven. And yes, they were concerned about our eternity. Another story that got told a lot as I grew up was the Old Testament story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the story of Ananias and Sapphira, it was told to scare us onto the path of the straight and narrow. The story of Sodom and Gomorrah is all about the destructive consequences of sin. Fact is, life in those ancient days was pretty dark. But when Old Testament Abraham learned of God's plan to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, he asked uh, if God would spare them, if, if he could find 50 innocent godly people. And God, he reassured Abraham that if he would find 50 righteous people, that he would spare the city for their sake. Abraham asks about a lower and lower and lower number until he gets down to 10 people. God answers, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And there are not even ten. Abraham leaves the presence of God. And God's angels arrive at the gates of Sodom and Gomorrah. Where they are greeted by uh, Abraham's nephew Lot. Lot has managed to keep himself uh, clean. He would be counted among those who are righteous. Lot and his family, they're about like it. The angels, uh, they go stay in Lot's home. And we read in the book of Genesis. Before they'd gone to bed. All the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called a lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. We're talking all the men of Sodom, all of them. What we have here is a, a gang rape in the making. It does not sound like a fun town to live in. And you can't believe what happens next. At least I find it real hard to grasp. But Lot offers his two daughters instead to this sex-thirsty gang of thugs. I don't get that part at all. Uh, It's not what I would do. Angels or not, I would protect my daughters and expect the angels to do the same. But uh, these guys from Sodom and Gomorrah, they, they aren't after his daughters. No, they want these foreign guys. They don't realize that they're angels, so they don't know what they're up against. And they begin to break into the house. Hey, this is one scary scene when it's told to a group of 10-year-old Sunday school boys just saying. And we read. Then they, talking about the angel, struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, uh, Do you have anyone else here, uh, sons-in-laws, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against uh, its people is so great that uh, he has been sent to destroy it. So Lot tries to convince his son-in-laws to escape with them, but they won't go. I imagine they just kind of scoff at the whole thing. So Lot flees with his wife and his two daughters, and God rains down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah. It's gone, destroyed, nothing left but a smoldering pile of rubble. Okay, when I was 12, that part of the story seemed really exciting. Now, one of the angels had previously said, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But sadly, Lot's wife looks back and she turns into a pillar of salt. She looks back and she's gone. And that Sunday school teacher or that preacher at camp would, uh, wouldn't directly say this, but would leave you with a strong impression that maybe we too, Uh, we might become a pillar of salt or burn with sulfur or something like that. Or at the very least, you know, something bad would happen to us because of our sin. And I actually remember one of my teachers quoting Moses from the book of Numbers. uh, I didn't know where he was quoting it from, but it was the verse, Be sure your sin will find you out. And we'd be left shaken in our boots uh, uh, with the idea that God is going to get us because of our sin. We can be sure that our sin will find us out, and it will not be good. That's why so often when I ask someone who uh, grew up in church, but they've dropped out, uh, I invite them to come and check Fort City out. Uh, I've noticed this especially with some guys who grew up in, in churches in Newfoundland and the Maritimes, and they would say to me, Doug, no way. I mean, if I go to your church, I'll, I'll just explode and burn up the minute I walk into your building you don't know how bad I've been, but it's been bad, and I'll burn, and I know it, and and we kind of laugh when we hear that. but I hear it a lot, and I think maybe they had the same Sunday school teacher or camp preacher I had, and then my teacher telling me these stories, they would often wrap things up and and call us to be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy, and hey. It's not just uh, Moses uh, in, in the Old Testament who says be holy, but the Apostle Peter says the same thing. But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. And that's in the New Testament. And if it's in the New Testament, I mean, we doubly knew we had to do it. And we were told that holiness meant being separate from sin and and being uh, separate from sinful people and separate from sinful places and separate from sinful activities. And and I kind of pictured some sort of weird hermit out in the middle of nowhere. But yes, the word holiness does mean to separate ourselves from things that are destructive and sinful and life-destroying. It does mean that. And so I would try to be holy and the more I tried the more I failed and the more I failed the more I just didn't care or the more I just justified why I failed and and I began to think that maybe some things weren't that bad and Overall church just became a bit frustrating or at least some of the people and teachers in church were My my teachers kind of defined holiness like this You don't drink dance smoke or chew or go around with girls that do and and I began to wonder is that all that bad? And isn't some of that cool? And I didn't abandon God, but I knew I just couldn't keep all the rules. So as a teen, like so many teens, I, I just stopped paying attention to the rules while still going to church. What I didn't realize was that my understanding of holiness was a bit distorted. And I began to understand that a better way to understand holies is maybe to use the word wholeness. That God's goal for you and me is that we would be perfectly whole as he is perfectly whole. That we would experience relational wholeness, spiritual wholeness, physical wholeness, moral wholeness. That that holiness is not something to be feared, but to yearn for, something to seek after. That true holiness is an incredibly awesome life-giving experience. It, It makes you whole. And holiness... It's not so much about what I look like on the outside, but who I am on the inside. Holiness is all about living life more and more to the full. Holiness is that life full of joy, uh, full of purpose. It's life that we really yearn for to to be uh, holy. Is to live life to the full. To yeah, just to live the life you and I really want to live. It allows us to become truly, fully alive. Holiness is the realization that there's a better version of you that you can step into. It's the version of myself that I will experience fully come eternity, but that God is offering me right now that I might experience more and more of it now as I surrender my life to him. And this holiness is good for me. It's great for my family. It's awesome for the people I work with because it it actually makes me more enjoyable to be with. But that wasn't the way I was raised to think of holiness. But hear me, when when the apostle Peter says, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. What he means is that you and me, we can live and love more and more like Jesus. That's holiness. And who doesn't want to experience people who live and love like Jesus? Who doesn't want to experience people who are truly holy? A year or so ago, maybe it was two years ago, we adjusted our mission statement here at Fort City to describe our mission this way. Making Jesus visible as we live and love like him. In other words, making Jesus visible as we become more and more holy. Same thing. Core to being holy is to be full of love, full of the love of Jesus so that we can live and love like him. We're in this series called God Is, and today we're saying that God is holy. And the good news is we can be holy like our God is holy. We can live holy lives. And at the core of what it means to be holy is to love like Jesus. Heck, when I grew up, I wanted to stay far away from people who were too holy. They were holier than thou. I mean, I just wanted to avoid them. They spewed condemnation. Truth was, they may have been squeaky clean on the outside, but they were just hard to live with, harsh to be around. And, and they may have been outwardly moral like Jesus, but they sure didn't love like Jesus. You know what I mean? But friends, true holiness is awesome. It's wholeness. It's freedom. It's healing. It's life to the full. It's, it's living and loving like Jesus. It's, it's the life of Jesus flowing through me and powerfully impacting other people's lives for the better. Who wouldn't want more holiness in their lives? Who wouldn't want to be around a holy person? Okay, with all of that as a bit of a background, I want to make three statements about holiness to get us on the right track as we seek to be that holy people. Number one. It is okay to tremble in the presence of a holy God. Let's not be too too quick to throw out the idea uh, that the holiness of God would cause us to tremble a little bit. We need to learn from some of those harsher stories that are mostly found in the Old Testament, but obviously not all all of them are there. But there's just good stuff to learn if you would understand the context. But maybe some of you, like me, grew up in churches that may have put just a tiny two-bit Too much emphasis on the trembling. But yeah, the challenge today is that we might just be putting too little emphasis on the trembling before our God. A little trembling is a good thing. When the Old Testament prophet Isaiah caught a glimpse of God and all of his holiness, he cries out, woe to me, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Friends, when, when Isaiah caught a glimpse of God and all of his glory, splendor, and perfect holiness, he was struck by his sin, by, by his lack of wholeness, by his brokenness, and, and that caused him to tremble before God. God is perfectly holy. I am not. I am truly a sinful mess, so are you. No matter how good you think you are, you're still a mess. The fact is, as the Apostle Paul tells us, for all have sinned. We are all like Isaiah broken and not whole and, friends, broken and sinful people uh, in the presence of a holy God, it's okay to tremble a little bit. You know, some healthy respect for our God. Because this is what leads us to need, this is what leads us to see our need for Jesus. Admitting that we are sinful, broken people. It, It needs to happen. We need to admit this before we can truly experience what God wants to do for us. And that's what our second statement is all about. And and this is core to the Christian message. This is what we call the gospel number two. God made a way for us to become holy as he is holy through the death of Jesus on the cross. Here's how the apostle Paul describes it. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and, and he freed us from our sin. Friends, it's not what you do that makes you holy. It's what Jesus did for you on the cross. When he died, he paid the penalty for your lack of holiness, for your sin and brokenness. And because of the cross, God now sees you as holy. God actually declares that you are holy as he is holy because of what he did on the cross. But that holiness, it's a gift you have to choose to personally receive. Have you ever confessed your sin to Jesus, asked for his forgiveness, and invited him to come into your life with his life? If you have, then Jesus has come into your life and and he has made you holy. He has made you pure. He has has freed you from your sin. But you go, Doug, (laughs) I don't feel very holy. In fact, I don't act too holy. And there's a lot in my life that's still broken and still lacks wholeness. That's true. You see, you won't fully experience this holiness, this this wholeness that God has for you uh, on this side of eternity you won't fully experience holiness until heaven. Yes, Jesus has purchased it for you. It is his gift to you. It is how God sees you right now. He sees you as holy, but you will not fully experience this until Jesus comes back and establishes the new heaven, the new earth, what we call God's eternal kingdom. That will come at the end of time. It's a promise of God. There is a better version of you coming. So on one hand, right now, You are holy. Theologians call it positional holiness. But on the other hand, you will not experience what all this means until Jesus comes back. You are positionally holy, but you are not yet experientially holy. Yeah, I know that. I mean, more than that, just ask my wife. She'd be glad to, you know, explain it to you. But friends, there is good news before we get to heaven. Because God does not leave us alone to wallow in our sin and brokenness and the lack of experiential holiness as we live today. Let me make a third statement. Holiness will start to become evident in your life. We'll see it. You'll experience it when you ask the Holy Spirit to fill and empower you. Friends, you and me both can experience more and more and even more of his holiness that Jesus has for us We can experience more and more of this wholeness, relational wholeness, physical wholeness, mental wholeness, freedom from bondage and addictions. We can experience more and more of the life of Jesus. We can live and love more and more like Jesus when we invite Jesus to fill us and empower us with his Holy Spirit. The Apostle Peter said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's power, to live and love like Jesus. That's power to take the love of Jesus to the rest of the world, even to where you work. That's power to live a holy life. The Apostle Paul says, walk by the Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. When you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, he he gives you power to live a holy life, power to overcome the destructive drives in your life. Paul further says, the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That sounds a lot like holiness. That sounds a lot like living and loving like Jesus. That sounds a lot like the kind of person other people would love to be with because holy people are awesome people to hang out with, to do life with, to be married to. But we must first understand that on this side of heaven, Holiness is an ongoing journey until we reach eternity. This side of heaven, we get to grow more and more into this holiness. And and God has given us his spirit to help us grow every day. But it's a choice that you must make, a choice to be filled with the spirit and grow. So let me ask, do you ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you every day and to make you a little more holy? Why do people come to church? Why do you come to church? It's probably not the coffee, and that's a good thing because I don't think we have coffee today. But anyways, it's probably not even the good music or even listening to me sometimes, right? But in the middle of this, the coffee, the music, the preaching, many of you I know are hoping and praying that God will turn up and and touch you in some way at your point of need. And maybe there's something that's just not working in your marriage and, and you'd like to get it right. Do you wish that you could ever be more patient with your kids? Oh yes, I need more patience. Do you ever wish you would worry less about some circumstance in your life? Yes, I I need to change some of my worry patterns, Uh, I I do need help there. How are you doing on the lust front? Uh, Truth be told, I'm looking at stuff online that I know I shouldn't be and, and I'm ashamed, but I do it anyways. Maybe you're an overspender and, and it's stressing you out a lot and it's stressing other people out, particularly your spouse. Getting your spending under control, learning to be disciplined with your resources so that you can spend less, give a bit more friends. That's, that's a fruit of holiness. When you fill out an expense report or fill out your tax return and maybe in the past you knew you could get away with something that wasn't totally honest. Uh, uh, when you choose to be honest, that's holiness. When you cut someone else off on the highway, when you'd normally react with one finger, but now you use two. That's holiness, right? Friends, the the Christian life is all about God working in us, changing us, transforming us as we allow him to work in us, making us evident, visibly more holy as we become better people. Jesus made that all possible. That's what he did on the cross for us. Friends, there's not a one of us that doesn't have a need to change somewhere. In other words, there's not a one of us who doesn't need to become a a little more holy. And that's why Jesus came. He came to pay the penalty for your sin so that he could make you holy, so that you could live a changed life, and, and then just keep changing for the better until eternity. So let me ask you, are you on this journey? And if you're on this journey, are you asking the Holy Spirit to fill you and help you grow and do better every day? Do you ask every day to be filled with the Spirit to become more holy? Or or maybe you haven't really started the journey yet. You don't have this life-giving Holy Spirit that I'm talking about living in you yet. You're, You're checking Christianity out. Is it true? Is it real? Will it really make a difference in my life? If that's you, can I encourage you today? Would you jump into a relationship with Jesus? Would you get started on this journey? To do that, you just need to pray something like this. Uh, the words don't have to be exact, but you start this journey with Jesus by talking to him, by praying, by, by confessing your sin and inviting Jesus to come into your life. You, you might pray something like this. In fact, I'll, I'll invite you right now. If, if That's you. Uh, let me give you some words that you can pray, and, and maybe you could do that uh, right now. Uh, just pray something like this, like this, and you could do this on your own right now. Just say, God, I want that kind of change in my life. Just, just tell him that. I want you to do a work in my life. God, I want a relationship with you. Would you come into my life and forgive me and give me that new life? And you can pray that in the silence of your heart right now, and maybe you just did, and that's awesome. Or you could pray that at the end of the service. Uh, You could ask our prayer team up front to help you pray a prayer like that with you. You could pray when you get back home. But some of you need to start the journey by inviting Jesus into your life. Would you do that? And if you do, uh, would you let us know? Because we at Fort City would love to partner with you in your journey. Others of you are on the journey, and, and you need to pray right now, and, and you need to pray every day a prayer kind of like this. And let me lead you in a prayer that you can kind of use today and maybe even use every day. Let, let's, would you pray? Jesus, just let him, call out to him, and just say to him, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you fill me to overflowing? And would you empower me to change? Just ask him to do that. Would you help me every day to become a a little more whole and a little more holy? Would you grow me and help me to live in love more like Jesus every day? And I just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray for all of us right now. God, thank you. Thank you that you're at work in our lives, that we can become better people, uh, holy people because of you. God, we have a need to change and grow and be different, to be holy as you are holy. Break into our hard hearts, would you? Bust through our attitude that says, that's just the way I am. Empower us to humbly uh, submit to your ways and your will that we would live and love more and more like Jesus. Do your work in us that we might be different people as we live here today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.